0: you are locked on indians your daily cleveland indians podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day hello everyone and welcome to locked on indians i'm your host jeff ellis and i know if you are like me no matter what candidate uh, you voted for, you are just happy the robocalls are over, right? So I just messed with the volume of it. I'm hoping that's gonna be a little bit better. I'm a little bit nervous about how high it was going. Uh, this volume change in this entire show is brought to you by Built Bar. It is what I had for lunch today instead of breakfast, but it is something I eat every day. Go check out Built Bar for yourself. Today's show, we've got gold gloves to talk about. We have my crazy trade ideas that I never got to on yesterday's show. And we have some minor league news. So let's actually start there. Baseball America reported that they are making, somehow making things even worse for minor league owners. Yeah, if you recall, minor league owners said they were going to fight the changes last November because it was very clear that MLB was going to, uh, they're getting in all this trouble for basically not paying minor leaguers even minimum wage. So their way to get around it was to have less minor leaguers and to kind of fold some teams in and minor league baseball, and it it looked like there was going to be a standoff. The contract was up, I believe, between them, and there was going to be a big standoff, there was going to be a fight, and uh, because Major League Baseball doesn't want uh, more minor league teams to help build connections between local communities and Major League squads, this is why the sport is in the condition it is. Uh, It's also because of the terrible lack of foresight in things like having the Golden Gloves on election night. Uh, the gold gloves, I should say, not golden gloves, that's boxing, but having the gold glove award announced on uh, election night. Baseball continually shows its uh, lack of awareness, but cutting minor league teams came up last year. There was going to be a fight, and then everything that happened this year happened this year, and minor league owners seemed to kind of understand changes were going to happen, and there's nothing that could be done. Well, a new rule is being pushed by the mlb that they want to alter travel regulations and start times that all games must start at 4 pm local time or earlier unless the teams plan uh the two teams playing the game both have to travel no more than 150 miles by bus or 550 miles by plane for the next day's game that's right it must start at four or earlier unless you're traveling 150 miles by bus that's you know quite a quite a long trip and teams must be given an off day every 15 days, up from one every 30 days, which is what it is right now. And then teams must receive permission from an MLB ball uh, club, from both MLB ball clubs, to play games before 12 p.m. If one of those teams is unwilling to permit such games, uh, then there would be no 12 o'clock games, which is crazy. And one of the reasons for that is a great moneymaker for these MLB teams has been these uh education games which start at like 10 and nobody loves them uh, I've been to two of them as a teacher I've never been I've gone up and visited the box honestly during those games I can say in the past I went up in Akron grabbed a, a donut and uh back when I was you know having gluten and would go down or I'd hang up there for a bit and talk well because I wasn't a classroom teacher so I wasn't there directly with kids I didn't have anyone uh with me so I could uh sneak away for a bit but those are huge for teams, because that is early in the year when it's hard to get good revenue, good teams in there, and you're getting a near sellout You know, multiple times a week. Uh, it's a really big thing for those teams. It makes a lot of money for those minor league squads, and taking that away is going to be a huge financial loss for those teams. Yes, both teams might agree and it'll be fine, but making it this way, making it so they have to agree, and then how about Having to have games start at four, how much harder is that going to be to sell tickets for having games that must start at four? Um, for the, I mean, that's only for the last day of a series, but still, I, I, that last game, no one's going to want to attend. And a lot of times, those last games of those series would be those getaway games, where the game is at ten. It's a super early start, but then they get to get away early. Uh, it's a huge loss for those uh, minor league teams. That's a Another kick in the pants in what has been a long series of kick in the pants by Major League Baseball to these minor league owners, and it's just like, how much more can you take from uh, the lowest of the low? Like they are, that's continue to uh, to just uh, beat up our minor league system. That's I, I just find it a bit appalling. So speaking of uh, tone deaf moves. Gold Gloves announced tonight. Gold Glove, I should say, awards announced tonight. Uh, Roberto Perez wins his second one. Uh, I saw Zach Meisel was where I saw it. it is the first back-to-back winner since Grady Sizemore with the Indians. How far Perez has come, and that's also why they uh, kept him. That is why he is there, and they picked up his option. You know, he is such an elite defender. There's going to be... Uh, value for him if they keep him or there is value in him just based at his contract with his defensive ability. Uh, Cesar Hernandez also captured a gold glove at second base. And we'll see what the market is. I believe Colton Wong won in the National League. So that means both gold glove winners at second base are free agents. I still think Cesar Hernandez might have priced himself out of Cleveland. We will see, but yeah, two Gold Gloves, uh, a Cy Young for sure, and we'll see from there. But again, man, uh, tonight, election night, uh, it's impossible to know it's not election night. With uh, if you're like me and most of our listeners probably live in a battleground state, I am in Wisconsin. Most of you are in Ohio. I have received 14, 15 calls over the last two days and over 30 texts. Uh, Major League Baseball what are you doing, Rawlings, what are you doing, it's just silly, it is not the night to make the awards announcement, I mean, maybe they're thinking it'd be a nice break from, uh, the election, but it's, it's not, uh, I mean, I just saw them kind of routinely getting criticized, it's just such an odd decision to make, uh, for the Indians, like I said, that takes them up to two more awards, and, you know, we'll uh, we'll see what they do. It's going to be an odd, odd season. I also liked, I was looking at Zach Meisel's piece over on the Atlantic. Uh, that 2008 draft where Brito Perez is from, that was kind of the beginning of a change of Indians draft strategies. Uh, 2007 was a pretty miserable draft, as I recall. Um, let me just pause. And uh, I recalled correctly, that was the first one on TV. You go through Bo Mills uh, as a first-round pick, 13th overall, uh, first baseman as a top-13 pick. That, that's great. Uh, TJ McFarland, hey, at least he's pitched 140 games in the majors, but we use a Rule 5 loss by the Indians as a high school kid out of uh, uh, Amos Alonzo Stack High School in Illinois, the rare Illinois prep pitcher. Jonathan Holt, I had completely forgotten about the University of Tampa. Bo Greenwell, I had forgotten about him. I remember when I was kind of high on him as a high school outfielder. They couldn't sign. Cole St. Clair in the seventh round. Mark Thompson, Adam White, Heath Taylor. That's okay if you don't remember them. I had forgotten that grouping as well. And they were all low bonus guys. Matt Haig in the 11th round. He did make it to the majors. Uh, did not sign, though, with the Indians. Garrison Campfield. A uh, $100,000 bonus in the 12th round. Chris Jones, left-handed pitcher out of Gaither High School, $350,000 bonus. That's pretty significant for then. i had forgotten about Joey Mahalik, but he was another one where people were really high on him for a time. He was a 32nd-round pick who got six figures. Uh, Bryce Brentz uh, would go on to be a higher pick as, I believe, an outfielder. He's listed as a, a right-handed pitcher for the Indians who they failed to sign in the 30th round out of uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. Other guys in that class, Josh Judy made it to the majors in 2007. We haven't even talked 2008, which was, you know, the one I was talking about. But man, Uh, Cole St. Clair did get drafted by the Dodgers in the 7th round the next year. So no improvement in draft position. Matt Higg would 11th round pick by the Indians. The next year he's a 9th round pick. Again, at least he got to the bigs. Chris Jones, never got to the majors, but I, I do have some memories of him. Uh, interesting that he was lifted, listed as drafted out of Gaither High School in Tampa, Florida in 2007. He was a 40th round pick in 2006 out of uh, Redan High School in Stone Mountain, Georgia. I don't know how that works, that he was drafted out of, unless he missed the entire year. Do, I'm not sure. Interesting case. Maybe some of the, one of those guys will have to revisit But he was a, I mean, they gave him a lot of money. Joey Maholik was, had a big fast, I just remember, he he was one of those guys who was a helium prospect. Uh, Never quite came together for him. And, oh, I closed it out on Brents before I could confirm that he was an outfielder, right? Yeah, Uh, Ball State, maybe? Uh, Middle Tennessee, first round pick, 36 overall. Yeah, and he was a small school, and he ended up being an outfielder. So that was that's one of the worst drafts in the history of the Cleveland Indians, honestly, that's yeah, 2007. 2008 is the Lonnie chisholm Cord Phelps, Zach Putnam, Matt Langwell, Carlos Moncrief, TJ House, and Roberto Perez. And if you recall um, House, uh, Bryce Stowell, and a blanket on who the third player was, they were only able to sign because they, uh, they traded away Paul Byrd and his contract and used that money to the draft. It was an interesting draft class in general. Uh, Chisholm Hall, again, the, what stood out for me is that Chisholm Hall was a complete departure as this uh, draft-eligible sophomore who had been kicked off of the South Carolina team for stealing. Uh, you might have forgotten that story, but he had stolen uh, someone in his dorm's computer uh interesting you know little tidbit for a guy who definitely uh did not have a reputation for such things uh with uh, you know going on from there but yeah that's that's where it started for that uh with Chisholm Hall and before we really dig into this draft let's take a second and give our spo- some time to our sponsor builtbar.com. i've talked about it all the time i'm waiting on my new order i got a mixed box and there's strawberry flavor that i'm very curious to try why do I keep going back to Built Bar? Because I love the way it tastes. I love the way it's textural. I love the way it works. Um, it's just a fantastic, fantastic bar. It is my go-to bar for breakfast. I have them sometimes for lunch. It, when you go to BuiltBar.com, use that promo code knockdown to get 20% off your order. I wish I could still use that code myself. This is a product I love. It's a product I use. It's a product I trust. I think they're delicious. I think it is one of the best sponsors we've ever had. It is certainly the best uh item i have received in terms of promotional uh offerings from a company getting those free bars uh hooked me and from there i've become an ardent user and if you give them an opportunity you will too so go to builtbar.com use that promo code locked on this is a product that i fully get behind and endorse it is delicious it is filling it will give you energy builtbar.com promo code locked on 2008 draft so Chisholm Hall is this big departure. Uh, he's at a community college. He is a draft eligible sophomore because he's at a community college. And other than that, he, uh, like I said, he was kicked off his team for stealing. he had a great year at, I think, South Carolina before that. Trey Haley had a huge fastball, and um, he's the antithesis of pretty much everything the Indians go for in pitching now. Uh, lots of potential and ability. Not the deepest of thinker is what I was told. Um, There were some knuckleheady moments with him in the minors. Cord Phelps, I thought, was as good as Jason Kipnis as a prospect at one time. Yeah, I'll just be honest about that. Yeah, I said it. Zach Putnam out of Michigan was one of those guys they gave away. um, I believe that was in the Jason Kubel deal, and, and he turned into a solid reliever, bounced around the, uh, the majors for a time, still is in the minors, Tim Federoff, that was the other guy they got in the deal, I really liked him, he was a top 10 prospect, never came together for him, it was Federoff, House, and Bryce Stowell, uh, Moises Montero, I forgot, was the catcher they took before Roberto Perez, uh, an interesting group for sure, but, I mean, Perez is the best of the group, right, all had his moment but he, moments, but he's already retired, and never really put it together consistently, couldn't stay healthy, and that's what ended his career, Putnam is the only other guy who's really in conversation. Those are your three guys to talk about for that draft. Uh, you know, Cord Phelps did make the majors. Matt Longwell, Carlos Moncrief, TJ House had his moments, but he was pitching an independent ball with the Milkmen near where I live. Uh, it's, uh, it's Roberto Perez. He was more information from Zach Meisel. He was the uh, 66th catcher selected in that class, and he was the second pick, second catcher uh, by the Indians, Moises Montero got $200,000 as a 26th round pick, but never got out of A-ball and uh, Perez just won his second gold glove, Cesar Hernandez, we hardly know yet, knew ya, I think he is on to a uh, another location and also Perez is just the second catcher in team history to get multiple gold gloves, joining Ray Fossey So no matter what happens, that's why they picked up his option. There's a lot of value when it comes to defense at the catching position. There's a lot of value just in having reliable catching. Uh, Not all teams can say that. We talked about that with the Mets yesterday. So we talked about awards. We talked about uh, the proposal on the minors. Let's talk about uh, my idea for Ridiculous Trades. And I was reading about... uh, the fact that uh, Giancarlo Stanton opted into his contract with the Yankees, which means now the Marlins have to send another $30 million basically to cover his contract for this year. And he still owed significant amounts of money going forward. And my whole thought process was if you are the Cleveland Indians, yes, you want cheap replacement level talent, but more than anything else, you just want talent that you have for multiple years locked up at a decent price, right? That's, that's more the thing than anything else. Uh, youth is good, but it's more we want someone with five or six years of control that's not going to cost a lot. So is there a universe where, I mean, Stanton, I think, has 10-5 rights, but is there a universe where someone like Stanton would make sense? Something like Lindor for Stanton, where the Yankees eat uh, $24 million a year and leave the Indians on the, you know, for 5 to $6 Does that a year, does that make sense? Is that one of those things? Could you go through and find another team that could conceivably do that? Is there a A one where the, again, I don't think the Dodgers would be up for such a deal. But could you find another team that has someone who, and for the Yankees, it's like Stanton, they've already said he's going to be their DH. Now, he's maybe not great in the outfield, but again, this is a team that played Domingo Santana in their outfield. Uh, It's a low bar defensively for the Cleveland Indians. That's just a thought. It's another way to approach Aang talent that if another team is willing and able to eat the salary, and again, I don't know exactly how that works. I don't know how much money you're allowed to send. I don't know how much money you're allowed to retain. Uh, I don't know the specifics, but it, it would be an odd thing to consider. I don't know if there would be uh, bigger ramifications that would maybe block something like that happening because of the risk of like, are the Yankees buying talent? And the argument would be, well, no, because they're gonna pay or eat a significant amount of salary to uh, get rid of one player while acquiring another player who's talented. So rather than, uh, that, that's part of your valuation. Kind of like with the Red Sox, trading away David Price, but still eating some of, uh, sending some money with him. It cuts down uh, A, on your luxury tax bill, which is beneficial to the team sending out the high salary player. Uh, but then by sending money along, it, uh, it helps the acquiring team uh, balance that out. So it's just another idea to consider, Another. Quiver in the arrow, as it were, when you're trying to figure out deals that make sense, deals that could work for the Cleveland Indians. Another way to approach uh, making the Indians better. Just another thought process that hit me. Um, Speaking of the uh, acquiring talent and ways to make the Indians better, let's let's kind of pony up. (coughs) Excuse me. Bounce around the NL East. Should talk about the Atlanta Braves. I will say, I think the Braves, um, again, could make some sense for Lindor, but talking to people who know that organization well and are knowledgeable of that organization, um, actually think that they are unlikely to chase a one-year rental, that uh, that is not in the cards for them. So Lindor's kind of off the table. When you look at them as an overall team and their depth situation, uh... You're assuming Pache is going to move into center with uh, Aqueno in one outfield spot. And, I mean, Adam Duvall played really well last year in that time for them. Is he their other outfielder? Um, do they start preparing the way for, um, why am I blanking Andrew Drew Waters' is his name, it, to fill one of the other outfield spots? He's getting close to being ready as well. Do they try to bring back uh, Marcelo Zuna who's going to be a free agent? I think the Braves probably sign either Azuna or Springer. I do think they would chase down someone in free agency. And that does open them up for the possibility of trading away Adam Duvall. Of course, if there is a DH in the National League that could change that whole uh, proposition for the uh, Atlanta Braves. I feel like I'm doing the uh and ums a lot more today. Uh, I apologize. My brain is just not all uh, firing on the correct cylinders, I guess. But Duvall had a nice rebound year. He's had the back and forth throughout his career, so much so that he was basically given away by the Reds in the 2018 season. Uh, 2019, he was productive for the Braves and limited sample. And then 2020, he was pretty much an everyday starter, and he was again productive. 2017, he was just a hair below league average. 2016, a hair above. And 2015, he was uh, quite strong. So he has, I mean, over the course of his career... He's been about league average defensively he's not good at all but he's been uh about league average and more than anything else he just has not had those opportunities really in extended looks to to show it outside of three seasons in there two seasons in there and he's he makes let's see he's gonna make i think he made 3.25 million this year i think he could be on the books for 5 million next year 32 years of age you if you acquire him uh he, you get him for the 2021 and 2022 seasons. so he's a two-year rental. Uh, and last year he played left field, right field, mostly left. And that is probably where you want to play him. But there's power potential. I mean, he does have a 30, multiple 30 home run seasons with the Reds. This past year he had 16 home runs in 57 games. I mean, that's, that's a good amount of home runs. And why would the Braves move on? You're asking on the other side of things? Well, if there's no DH, where do you play him? If they go out and they sign an outfielder, which seems likely, you got Freeman at first, you got Aquino, uh, Pache, and then that newly signed uh, outfielder, Drew Waters, is on the horizon. And with him having two years of control and not being the best defender, he's easy to consider moving. We didn't even talk about the fact they're also still paying Ender Inciarte as well on that outfield. So what would make the uh what would the Braves look for uh pitching it's kind of crazy because for the longest time I mean that was what they're known for was their really good crop of minor league pitchers but it hasn't worked out for them I I, that's just the honest to goodness truth that young set of arms Sean Newcomb got moved to the pen you don't need to go into Newcomb in depth if you listen to me you knew that I've never really been a fan of his uh dating back for a while, uh, control issues are scary. Tukey Desant is in the pen with them. It, it's kind of nice to see that Tyler Matsick was back there. He, he's one of those great stories of uh, overcoming things. Bryce Wilson didn't get a ton of opportunities, but he showed, you know, I don't think he's nailed down a spot. Kyle Wright has been a disappointment every single time he's gotten an opportunity. Ian Anderson, Max Free, those two guys were utterly fantastic. Mike Soraka, when he's healthy, wasn't healthy, you have... Uh, him there as well I mean you have those three arms and then after that you hope that you know I mean Kyle Wright was the fifth pick in the draft Uh, you still have hope that you know Wilson is going to step in or one of these other places Kyle Mueller's been around for a while Uh, I think that Cole Hamels his contract was a one-year contract right they went out and gave him that money and now he's uh, not going to be there for them this next season. I could be wrong in that. Time for a quick uh, correction check. I was correct in that uh, memory. Braves are an interesting team. Uh, Travis DeArne had a great season. He's going to be a free agent after 2021. Freddie Freeman's going to be a free agent after 2021. Don't worry about the Braves too much because Ozzy Albies and Ronald Aquino Jr. have two of the most team-friendly contracts in all of baseball. I am in general, curious to see what they're going to do with their pitching staff. We don't know when Mike Soraka is going to be ready to go. They have a lot of money and some pieces in their pen. I mean, they've got uh, like over, probably close to 25 million in just relief arms. I don't know who's going to be their starter. So there is a world where you could probably, now a starter for Adam Duvall is a a massive overpay. But if you could do some kind of deal where you're getting, you're not getting Drew Waters, let's just stop. Back it up. Well, I mean, his star is falling a bit in certain places. I don't think it's fallen enough to, to get you there, but there, there could be a deal that makes sense with some other ones. Maybe a shoemaker along with uh, another piece or another, you know, multiple pieces. We know the Indians like to do multi part deals. But uh, yeah, I think there could be a trade, especially post free agency with the Braves. They already have a large amount of outfielders to begin with, and they are likely to try to upgrade that position as well. Um, again, even if the DH position returns, uh, they may not want to have Deval in that role because uh, he has been inconsistent and they're giving a lot of money to outfielders uh, in general next year. Uh, Ender and CRT is going to be no better than their fourth outfielder and they're going to pay him $9 million to do that. Um, there might even be a case where you can get... Uh, the Braves to pick up the majority of NCRT's NCRT's contract and get him along with Duval. Now I don't know if there's a whole lot of value left in NCRT but again that's just them picking up you know eight million dollars of the nine million owed uh, type of deal to also take him off their hands but yeah the Braves are a team to pay attention to so the Braves and the Mets both make sense we'll continue to talk about some deals that could work make sense I thought it was going to struggle and here we are at 25 minutes. All these shows have been running incredibly long, so I apologize for that. Let's make it quick and sweet here at the end. I have been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Locked On Indians podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. And as always, go Tribe.